How's it going, everyone? Good morning, and welcome to another episode of the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. We take a look at everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks. And of course, at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. Uh, the What's Up webcast takes place every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. Um, and we're happy to have you here. So, today we're talking about solar eclipse photography. Uh, we have two eclipses coming up in the next couple years. Uh, October of 2023, we have the annular eclipse. And, of course, the uh, uh, total eclipse in April of 2024. So, two big things to think about uh, that are coming up. And some of you have probably heard we're doing, um, well, we're doing... Um, let me just get this up real quick. Uh, sorry about that. On October 22nd, uh, I, my outreach program will be hosting the SOL event, the Solar Observing Lab at the Challenger Space Center in North Phoenix uh, here in Arizona. Um, we are starting to get uh, registrations for the talks. Um, we are going to be adding a couple talks here too because uh, we have some additional people that are coming that will be hosting talks. So keep an eye on the website here as we'll be adding more uh, people coming in. Uh, our vendors are also starting to sign up. Uh, we have Mount Lemmon Sky Center, Skywatcher, Los Mondi, Star Arizona, United States Space Force, and Stella. Um, Stella is actually a astrophotography group for women. Um, so their team will be on site, uh, hanging out with us and we're waiting for some other people to finalize as well. Um, hopefully over the next few weeks. So if you want to know more, check out that we've also finalized the star party as well. Uh, so all the details are there at focusastro.org slash soul, uh, S O L. And you can buy tickets for the challenger space center there to get in. If you've registered for a talk, it is not just because you've registered for a talk does not mean you bought tickets. So make sure you go purchase tickets right here with the red link or call up the Challenger Space Center and or you can buy them the day of as well. So all the money goes to the Challenger Space Center um, at that point. So there's that. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because today we are talking about solar eclipse photography. So the topics kind of tie into each other. Um, but if you want to know more, that's all there. Um, also... Uh, our totem, the first, uh, we are getting submissions. We've gotten some pretty good ones for the totem patches, the target of the month patches. <clears throat> um, we will start sending those out uh, here shortly um, with some other goodies in the box as well uh, for that. But for those of you who have sent images in, thank you. They look awesome. Um, I'm thinking I might take those images and each month maybe post them on the What's Up webcast. We can talk to, talk about them. Um, and then we're getting ready for next month's target, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks. So, that being said, uh, let's talk about solar eclipse photography. Um, I do want to mention uh, that I'm not going to go too much into detail about actual like exposure times um, and ISO and stuff like that because I have a, a place um that i'm going to bring up a website here shortly that i'm going to bring up that has really good information about planning for that um this is more of an equipment and just some thoughts having done this before 
that I think people should consider before going and doing some eclipse photography, particularly on the total eclipses. So bear, if you have questions, feel free to throw them out. But um, yeah, so that being said, uh, if you like what you see here on the What's Up webcast, please go ahead and subscribe. Leave a like on a video. Let's us know we're doing a good job. If you have an idea for a future episode, please email us at info at skywatcherusa.com and title it What's Up and uh, tell us what your idea for an episode is. Now, big, big thing we need to talk about before going into this. Before you observe the sun at any time, you need to make sure that you are using the correct filters for this type of observing. Front-mounted solar filters or specialized solar filters that come from reputable sources, that is the only way you should be doing solar observing. Please make sure you have researched this topic and know how to do this safely before moving forward because you will damage your eyes and you can damage your equipment as well. But I have to say it. That's why there is a tag on all of our telescopes because someone's probably going to do it. Don't. So just like you shouldn't eat a Lego, don't. Um, so anyway, I got to put that up there. Now that that's out of the way, we can get going. Um, so there are three major types of eclipses when it comes to the sun. And I'm sure many of you who are watching already know this. But if you don't, <clears throat> um, here you go. Sorry, I had some allergies this week, so my voice is a little weird. Um, but the reason that we need to understand the three types of eclipses uh, is because the way you approach shooting them and what equipment might be available or uh, desired for it are different. So, so here are the three types. We have the partial eclipse, which looks like Cookie Monster took a bite out of the sun. We have an annular eclipse where the moon is a little bit smaller or a little bit closer uh, to the Earth. I don't remember. Maybe it's further away. Anyway, where the moon does not completely cover the disk of the sun, giving you what's known as the ring of fire there in the center. Uh, that is technically a partial eclipse, um, but it's specifically more known as an annular um, because it doesn't cover everything. Uh, the one coming up in 2023 in October is an annular eclipse if you're going to be on the center path you can see it as an annular um, if you're not on the path then it'll be a partial pretty much the entire north american continent will get a partial eclipse to some amount um, let me see if i can bring up a good website here 23 eclipse there's some really cool uh yeah time and date here we go um time and date uh, com is a really good website that I like to use for eclipses. Reason being is they have the paths documented and you can just click on wherever you're going to be or wherever you think you're going to be. And it gives you a nice detailed layout of the time and how long it's going to be and how much coverage of the sun you're going to get and all that fun stuff um, that you'll see in the wherever you're going to be. So I like using timeanddate.com because you can pretty much figure out what the eclipse is going to be like wherever you're going to be. And you can see for the most part, even way up in like Maine, you're going to get some kind of partial eclipse. And the closer you get out here to the southwest, 
the deeper that eclipse is going to be. And then if you're along the red center line, um, which goes obviously all the way out here and down across Brazil, um, you're going to get some kind of, you know, annular eclipse. But anyway, timeanddate.com, if you want to really mess with the eclipses and what it's going to look like for your particular location, I feel is the best. And the annular eclipse for 2023 is October 14th. Um, now, since we're already on the website, um, let's see. Let's go to 2024. Now, 2024, the path is opposite. Um, let me zoom out. There is the path for 2024. 2024, which is on April 8th, is actually a total eclipse. So for anybody outside the, the path of totality, which is the dark red line, we'll see some kind of deep partial eclipse, even way up here um, and way down here, um, you will get a partial eclipse. Um, honestly, if you can make it to the center line, do it. So, but it's worth it. But again, time and date, if you want to know how the eclipse is going to look for your region. So three types of eclipses, partial, annular, and of course, total. Um, having seen the majority of these, there is nothing that compares to totality. I have had people say, oh, I went to 2017 and we were, it was like 98% blocked. I don't care how blocked it was. If you were not in totality, you missed it. You either saw it or you didn't. And having finally seen a total solar eclipse in 2017 on totality in Wyoming with my whole team, the whole Skywatcher team, it doesn't matter if you're into astronomy or not. It is the most mind-blowing thing you've ever seen. And I highly, highly recommend you see the total solar eclipse in the path of totality to see totality is, you just have to see it. You realize why the Mayans killed people over this. It's nuts. So come 2024, please don't make some excuse that unless you just can't get there, I understand, but don't drive all the way there just to be like, I only got to see a 98% partial eclipse. It's crap compared to totality um lord helmet the uh the total solar eclipse is april 8th 2024 and the annular for next year is in here somewhere i should know that Aug i'm sorry october 14th 2023 so again Next year's eclipse, October 14th, 2023, and then April 8th for the total solar eclipse in 2024. Okay, now that we've said that, there's your eclipses, um, but you really need to know what type of eclipse it's going to be in order to prepare for it correctly, because certain types of equipment really aren't going to be good for you. Um, filters. Filters are the first thing that you're going to need for a solar eclipse. Observing the sun, whatever. You need filters. Um, and you need some serious filters. But you need to understand what type of eclipse you're shooting in order to really get the benefit of what filter is going to benefit 
what you want to do. Um, like I said before, all eclipses are going to require filters. If you don't know a lot about solar filters, we actually did a whole episode. We did two episodes on observing the sun and understanding solar filters several years ago, early in the What's Up webcast. Um, those are still out there. I would highly recommend going and finding those episodes and watching them if you want to learn all the ins and outs of solar filters and the different types and how they work and what they do. Um, those are some of, I think, our best episodes as far as information goes. So if you need to know more about those and how to do this safely, please go watch those episodes. Um, I am assuming that some of you know what we're talking about as far as basics of solar filters on this presentation um, right now. So the type of filter varies upon the eclipse that you're going to be doing. There are narrow band filters like my my Daystar Quantum right here or a Lunt or Coronado or Solar Spectrum. Narrow band filters, those are what show you the prominences and the solar flares and fun stuff like that. Um, or um, you have your basic white light filter like these right here. Um, you can either get them front mounted, glass, film, whatever there's variations of them out there make sure it's um this one's from Sol uh, spectrum telescope um works really good the one in the picture that you see on my esprit 100 that i use for the eclipse that was a film bader filter i actually like the film filter my favorite white light filter is a herschel wedge um my go-to filter for white light on the refractors but that is not the filter to use for an eclipse and we'll get into there um but having a narrowband filter like, you know, the day stars and stuff like that, they're not always ideal in calcium filters like um, this guy right here, the day star calcium cork um, or the Lunt calciums or whatever. Um, they're not ideal for every eclipse. Um, for most eclipses, you're going to be okay with just a basic front mounted white light filter it's easy, it's affordable. You can find one for like nearly any camera lens or telescope. That's where I would recommend starting. Um, but some eclipses can be pretty interesting with the narrowband filters. You just need to know which type you're going after. Um, but a white light filter, if you're just getting started in doing eclipse photography or doing the sun, a white light filter is the way to go. It's usually about a hundred bucks ish, maybe less if it's film, but you know, you work with it um but you want to make sure your filter of choice is really well mounted to your telescope um, as well don't get anything that could just fly off really easily um so let me break it down real quick for a partial eclipse you can use any filter that you want white light or narrow band um, that is because the disk of the sun will always be visible to some extent during this eclipse. doesn't matter how deep it goes. Um, you're still going to be some portion of the, the disk of the sun will be visible. Uh, there's going to be very little change around you like outside when you're there. If it's a very deep partial eclipse, you will notice that colors start to get muted a little bit. Um, the temperature may drop a little bit. But overall, it's still going to feel like it's it's it looks like an average day. Nothing really changes for the most part. 
Um, and the sun's disk is not fully covered. So surface details will always be able to be seen if there's prominences or sunspots or anything like that, any kind of solar phenomenon, they will always be visible during this eclipse. So this is where something like your narrow band filters might make it more interesting because while the eclipse is happening, you can be getting all the cool surface detail that an H alpha filter might show you. And when I mean H alpha filter, I mean a solar H alpha filter, not a nighttime CCD CMOS imaging filter, like a serious, serious solar filter um, paired up correctly to your telescope. Make sure you know what you're doing. Um, but narrowband filters can make a partial eclipse really interesting because, again, you're always seeing the disk of the sun. Um, and it's going to be kind of cool next year of the next two years for these eclipses because the sun is going into a more active state. So there could be some pretty cool phenomenon going. So partial eclipses, perfect for narrowband. Um, I've seen some really cool time lapse with it. Uh, play with it. But all filters will work for a partial eclipse, whether it's the narrow band, fancy narrow band stuff, or the basic white light. They'll all work really well, and you'll get some cool stuff out of it. Um, but filters stay on all the time for the partial eclipse. Now, annular, it's the same thing as the partial. Um, I'm just going to plow through here really quick. Um, Everything is exactly the same for an annular because the disk of the sun is always visible to some extent during this type of eclipse as well. It's just peeking around the edge of the moon there. So even though the majority of the disk is covered, there's still that ring of fire, as it's known, that will always be visible uh, during the entire eclipse. So again, even if you're outside, if you're in the, the path of the annular eclipse where you're going to get it right centered on the sun. Um, there's enough of the sun visible and peering around the moon that it's still going to feel like daytime outside there. There won't be any change filters stay on the telescopes all the time. No matter what any type of filter can be used white light or narrow band narrow band, I would probably say is more of my recommendation if you're doing partial or annular eclipses just because it makes it more dynamic and you'll be able to catch some of the really neat details that are occurring on the sun um, on those eclipses. So if you have an H alpha filter or you're thinking about getting one, it's worth it, especially for the 2023 eclipse and 2024 if you're not going to be on the, the path of totality for 2024. But really, any filter will work as long as it's safe. Um, but if it's going to be partial, if it's going to be an annular, and you want to make it look a little bit neater than just a basic white light image, H-alpha, calcium, you know, Daystar's got some other stuff out there too that would be neat. Play around with it. Um, now we're talking about totals. Totals are a completely different can of worms because of the phenomenon that we're trying to see during totality. So this section that I'm talking about is only if you are going to be in the path of totality for a total solar eclipse. If you are not in that path, it's a partial eclipse and all the rules we just talked about apply. If you're in the path of totality, game changes. 
Now, before totality and after totality, it's a partial eclipse where the moon is just kind of cruising in front of the sun. The disk is always visible. It's a partial up till we get to the totality point, which is only a few minutes. But no one really cares about the uh, leading up to and after portion of a total eclipse. Thereafter, the total eclipse portion, totality, is what you are after. In 2024, it's about four minutes in the best places, which is better than 2017. But four minutes goes really quick when you're in totality. In this type of eclipse, especially, in, again, this is all if you're on the path of totality, extreme changes the temperature drops significantly you will notice a major temperature drop 360 degree sunset is what it looks like it's really bizarre to do a 360 and see this ring of light just around you like sunset um, brighter stars and planets become naked eye visible birds will start to go back into um you know their homes and stuff like that back to the nests because they think it's getting night um it's a major major shift um and once we get to totality the sun's disc is completely covered this next section i need you to pay a very close attention to if you've never done this before filters can be removed only during totality to capture the corona, which is what you are after doing a solar eclipse. And they must be reinstalled before totality ends. Um, this is a big factor when you're shooting a total solar eclipse is everything needs to be, you need to be paying very close attention to what you are doing um, because you have a very small amount of time and you're probably going to be doing a lot of things. Um, I find front mounted white light filters are the best option. Um, couple reasons why, um, first off they're affordable and they're easy. Second, they're easy to achieve focus before totality. You do not want to be messing around trying to focus your optics when you're getting into totality. You have four minutes to rattle off as many pictures as you can and enjoy it at the same time. So I find that using a white light, front mounted white light filter like this glass one I was talking about, you get it focused when you're in the partial eclipse phase. You've got hours to do it. You know, get yourself focused, get yourself sharp, um, be ready to go. Watch the partial eclipse portion. And then when you're in totality, you can remove the filter only when you're in totality, um, when the sun is completely blocked. And when you're about to leave totality, then you need to reinstall it. I cannot stress this section enough because we are messing with the sun and you need to know exactly what you're doing. I have heard stories from my friends at Canon uh, they had several five and 600 millimeter super telephoto L lenses, 10, $12,000 lenses come back with burnt irises and all kinds of damage inside of them because people did not get the filters on at the right time. So make sure you know what's going on. Um, 
Let's talk about setups really quick because I want to loop back to what I was talking about and it kind of is in this section. Um, I'm a big fan of making really elaborate setups. I like putting as much stuff on a mount and showcasing as much stuff as I can so people have a good time and it's a cool setup. Um, during a solar eclipse, keep it simple. You, If you're doing totality, please keep it simple. Um, don't get elaborate. I wouldn't waste your time. If you're, if you're in the path of totality, don't waste your time with narrow band filters. Um, just basic white light filters are all you need. Don't have multiple setups if you can, unless you know what you're doing and you're ready to monitor all those. Try to keep things as simple as possible. Um, the more complicated, the more you have to work on. And when it comes to the time for totality to come around, you only have minutes to do it. Um, I find two scopes, one mount works really well. Um, in 2017, I this was my setup in 2017. The Esprit 100 on the bottom, that was my imaging scope. I had my 7D Mark II on there, which is actually what we're broadcasting on right now. Um, for imaging and then piggybacked I had my EvoStar 80 I had my Herschel wedge on there and I used that for visual that was it real clean real easy each scope has its purpose I'm not messing with anything beyond that um, make sure you have the proper filters for the eclipse if I was doing a partial eclipse I'd probably have probably just do two hydrogen setups if you have them or a white light and I'd probably do imaging on the H alpha system whatever you want to do uh, use a tracking mount do not try to track this manually especially if you're in a total eclipse you only have few minutes to do it you don't want to be messing around I I was told this before I went to 2017's eclipse is don't try to actually shoot it. Just try to enjoy your first eclipse. That's really hard to do nowadays because everyone wants to take pictures of it. You can do it. When you have your setup done correctly and you don't have to worry about it and it's just tracking and doing its thing, it makes it so much easier. Whether that's a star adventure or basic tracker mount or a little bit more advanced like this one. I was borrowing a Paramount from Software Biz because they were there at the show. And we loaned out like all of our mounts. Um, but use a tracking mount. It really just reduces the amount of work. Because when totality comes around in a total eclipse, you want to be able to make sure you're getting those pictures that you want to show. But it's important that you take the time to take it in as an experience too. And a lot of people worry about getting the shot. And they spend all this time trying to get all these pictures, but you don't ever take the time to just lay back and just be amazed with what you're actually seeing. Um, so make sure you give yourself enough time to enjoy it and just look and be in that experience because it is it's very quick and it's fleeting. Um, so make sure you take the time to enjoy it. Uh so that's where I think having a tracking mount is ideal. Our solar quest mount with the little solar alignment system on it works really well. If you want a very basic setup that you don't have to think about, uh, check out our solar quest mounts. They are back ordered right now, but now is 
Now is really the time you need to be thinking about equipment for 2023 and 2024. A lot, if you don't have the proper stuff, now is the time to think about it or get it on order. Because if you don't, you're going to wait until the hordes of people are starting to do it and you're never going to get it in time. And it gets ridiculous. And right now when equipment is starting to start, you know, start being a little bit easier to get, um, or maybe there's enough time in there for you to put the order in and just wait for your stuff. Now is the time to think about doing that because we're just over a year out from the annular and a year and a half-ish from the total eclipse. So that's, I would recommend right now, if you're on the fence about getting something for these eclipses, now is the time for you to start making those decisions or come out to the soul event if you want to see all the solar stuff. Um, but I would recommend if you don't, I would recommend that you probably start seriously figuring out what you're going to do by the end of this year and getting, if you don't have something on order, trying to purchase and get what you need on order by the end of 2022. Um, that way you have enough time to get it, get used to it and be prepared for 2023 and especially 2024. So don't wait until six months or three months. You don't want to be that person that's like Halloween or Christmas. It's like, what do you mean you're out of stock on Christmas presents on December 24th? We know when these events are happening. Most people are paying attention to it. Everyone freaks out at the last minute. It was the 2012 was the same thing with the Venus transit and the partial, the annular eclipse there. 2017 was the same thing, but worse. Now people have had a taste of all of that. So come 23 and 24, it's going to be ridiculous. Don't be one of those people that waits to the last minute. Think about it now. Get your stuff and don't end up rushing and making your life a living hell because you didn't do it. Um, so yeah, this our little, not to just promote our stuff all the time. It is our webcast. I can do whatever I want for it. But uh, the solar quest mount we sell is a fantastic little mount if you want to do something for solar you can get yourself a star adventure or like the ioptron or any of those little trackers the star adventure gti's are starting to ship right now even if you put an order in for one of these now you would probably get it by spring or summer of next year plenty of time to get used to it before the eclipses or whatever you're going to do um, but get a tracking mount and put your stuff on that don't manually mess with it it's just, it's, it's not fun. Um, if you need to pre-align your equipment, try to set it up before dawn or the night before and just wrap it up. Um, in 2017, that's what we did. We woke up before dawn, walked out there, set all of our stuff up, got them aligned. I did that for several people too with their star adventures, set up everything for them, got it done. They walked out. Next time I'm charging for that, by the way. Now that I look back on that, why am I setting up your stuff when I should be setting up my stuff? Um, but go outside if you can, if you're in a place where you can, you know, set it up the night before, get out the morning before, get polar aligned and get it dialed in. It makes your life way easier come eclipse time. And that's really with any type of eclipse. It just reduce the amount of work you have to put in on yourself. 
I should have just waited. Eliminate as much setup as possible beforehand. You don't want to be screwing around with equipment when the eclipse starts. You want to be able to have your stuff tracking. You're focused. You're ready to go. And all you have to do is sit back and watch nature do her thing. That's it. So I cannot stress it enough to really take the time to make sure A, your setup is fairly simple. B, you know what you're doing. And C, go out with enough prep time to where when the eclipse starts, the only thing you have to do is relax and enjoy the show. Now, when it comes to total eclipses and totality, timing is everything. Um, you need to know when all of the phenomenon that you want to see is going to happen. And there's some really cool things that happen in totality. And you have very little amount of time to hit a handful of them. Um, so timing is key. And we talked about this app when we were doing the app episode a few weeks ago but solar eclipse timer um, you can get on the app stores you can get it for each eclipse it sets up the time and it's worth the money it, it is a must in a total eclipse it that app is what saved me for totality in 2017 i just had it on the mount it was giving me timing countdowns for when i needed my filter off when i needed my filter on when certain phenomenon were occurring, it would give me the exact countdown so I knew how much time I had to do what I needed to do, get the shots that I needed without having to scramble. So Solar Eclipse Timer, the app, if you're going to totality and you want to shoot pictures, you have to have that app. No question about it. It will make your life so much easier to have that. So go on the App Store, check that out. But when I'm talking about phenomenon on a solar eclipse for totality, um, the first thing you're going to get is on the left side there. This is when the sun is being just being blocked and when the moon is just starting to leave. So you have the first contact and then the ending contact. Um, you have Bailey's beads, which is where the sunlight just starts to go inside the craters of the moon. That is a handful of seconds to be able to nail that. The next one is, of course, the diamond ring, which a lot of people really want the diamond ring shot. Um, diamond ring is really is right on that cusp of you need to get it and put the filter on like now. Um, so diamond ring is a very is probably one of the harder shots to get. Because it's, it's not that it's difficult to get the shot, but it's about timing. Because you're riding that line of, oh, this is really cool. And, oh, I'm about to destroy my camera sensor. So, fine line there. Having that app or something similar to it takes a lot of the guesswork out. And then, of course, totality is what you're obviously aiming for. Ultimately, totality is one of the easiest shots to get. Because once you're in totality, you have a few minutes to just rattle off as many pictures as possible. Um, exposures and ISO, that's all going to vary on your optics, which I'll get to in a minute. But totality, you have a few minutes to sit there and just relax. But if you want diamond ring and Bailey beads shots, like these guys right here, and they're 
not the best shots I've seen. These are mine. Um, there are people who have done way better job at capturing these. But these right here you need to be very quick about because the time to get Bailey's beads is very small. And the time to get diamond ring, very small. Because once diamond ring hits, you got to get the shot and put the filter back on and you only have a handful of seconds to do it. Uh, optics. Let's talk about some optics here real quick. Just about any telescope or camera lens is going to work. Um, I find for the cameras that most people shoot, which are the crop sensors and full frame sensors of the modern day, um, 500 to 1,000 millimeter focal length is what I would aim for. Um, I find refractors tend to be the best for solar Um Reflectors will work. There's nothing wrong with Newtonians and Schmidt Cassegrains, but refractors tend to be the most forgiving and the easiest ones to work with um, when we're doing solar. Uh, you can also use super telephoto lenses. You know, over the last few years, the like the Sigma and Tamron 150 600 super zooms have become really popular. Um, Nikon's got some good stuff. Canon's got some good stuff, but these super zoom lenses are becoming more available. Um, those are really good. So good options. If you have that, don't feel that you need to go out and buy a telescope. If you already have a decent camera lens, you can usually do a good shot with minimum would probably be 200 millimeter. But if you really want to frame up on it, I find 500 to a thousand is probably where you want to aim for ideally. Um, but just depends. So for a crop sensor, you're about 600 millimeter. Um, there's a crop sensor at 600 millimeter. That's about what I shot my eclipse in 2017 with. It was 550 millimeter. I got plenty of the Corona. The sun's big enough to see some detail. Um, I thought it worked really well. So 550, 600 millimeter for a crop sensor, full frame sensors, you can go up to about a thousand. You can actually go bigger. You can experiment with this all you want, but I find like a thousand millimeters on a full frame sensor. Nice fit. It's about the same as a crop sensor on a 600. Um, but those would probably be my recommendations as far as trying to frame up the sun, leaving some room for the Corona. Uh, if it's a total eclipse, if it's not a total eclipse, maybe put some more magnification on there to make the sun a little bit bigger, but it all kind of depends on what you're trying to get out of it. Uh, but these will be my minimum focal lengths. Um, if you're using a telescope or a lens and you really want to center up on the, the sun there and get some detail on the sun while having some room, you can adjust to whatever your setup's going to be. Now cameras, um, Again, this kind of is just like filters. It really comes down to what eclipse you're shooting. Um, is it a partial or annular or is it a total? Um, what filters are you using? White light or narrow band filters? Um, if it's an annular or partial eclipse, any camera is going to work. Um, a lot of people like to use DSLR or mirrorless, but you can use the dedicated CMOS or uh, CCD cameras if you need to. Um, if you're going to be using narrowband filters, I would recommend a monochrome uh, dedicated planetary camera. That's really what you want so you can stack a bunch of images and get a real sharp image. 
um, and then you can colorize that in Photoshop later. But uh, monochrome, if you're doing partial with narrow band, if you're just doing white light, then one shot color, DSLR, or mirrorless works fine. Uh, for total eclipses, I think DSLR and mirrorless cameras are ideal. Um, for totality, you really need a camera that's going to be able to bracket. Now, if you don't know what bracketing is, uh, that's a cam that's when the camera takes several photos at different exposures. Um, it usually ramps up. Um, this is ideal for totality. Here's an example of bracketing. Uh, three shots right in a row. You usually have like your default setting exposure and then the bracketing, there are different selections of bracketing in your camera that you can actually choose when it does the burst but each exposure will be ramped up a little bit more. Um, and every camera is going to be a little bit different depending on the manufacturer. But this is what I did with mine. This was the 7D Mark II from Canon and it's bracketing. Uh, what was nice about this is because you're new and because I was new and didn't really know, I knew roughly where the exposure should be, but this way I was able to pound out as many pictures as possible and just choose the ones I liked the most. Um, to work with from there, but uh, find a camera that does bracketing. Um, most modern day mirrorless and DSLRs, it shouldn't be a, a problem. Uh, well, well, okay, there we go. Um, so that's pretty much it for the solar eclipse photography thing. Um, if you want to know more about shooting an eclipse and how to do it, uh, as far as like ISO, uh, MrEclipse.com. Fred Espinek is a master of shooting eclipses he's literally written the book on it um, as well as other people alan dyer also has some good stuff out there as well um but there's all kinds of things in here to you know prepare for these so if you're new to it definitely go in here there's a ton of information i use this website religiously before 2017 to to really help um there's exposure times, there's <clears throat> ISO, there's f-stop if you're using lenses. Um, it really helps a lot. And this is coming from a master eclipse chaser who goes all over the world. Um, but if you really want to know the most about it, go to MrEclipse.com. Um, Fred's website gives you a lot of the, the real deep nitty gritty as far as camera settings go. I didn't want to rewrite all of it because Fred, it's Fred's information and he really does the best at it at that point. But go over there. Um, hopefully this was helpful if you're looking for equipment and you're trying to figure out how to navigate um, how everything works. Um, but that's kind of the general overall um, layout that I've done for shooting eclipses. So um, again, if you're interested in coming out to Seoul, uh, that's October 22nd, the Challenger Space Center in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I'm still working on getting some of the vendors there. I'm hoping to get some of the solar filter vendors there. I'm waiting for answers. Um, so we'll see. But we will have a nice selection of stuff out there. Come on out, hang out, learn about some of these uh, solar filters on hand, uh, particularly H-Alpha. And then we'll have some talks as well. But yeah, that is that if you're looking for that. Um now, next week, we do have our special guest, Richard Wright, is joining us again. We're going to be talking about astrophotography software because he's a programmer and basically all things imaging. 
So that'll be next week with Richard. That'll be a lot of fun to hang out um, with him. And now I know we've got some questions uh, floating around. Uh, would you combine an H-alpha with a solar filter? You wouldn't take an H-alpha imaging filter. I'm assuming that's what you're, you're stating. Um, you wouldn't take a white light filter and then put an H-alpha imaging filter in the back. It doesn't do anything and it doesn't get you on band to the hydrogen line it solar filters for h alpha or h alpha solar filters are much more precise than narrow band filters for deep sky um, so if you want to do h alpha observing of the sun you're going to need something like a lunt or a day star something like that a very precise uh solar filter for observing the sun and you're going to have to go up and kind of figure out what's going to work. And you can adapt those to almost any telescope or just get a dedicated solar telescope, which also works. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't put a imaging H alpha filter behind like a white light filter. It doesn't do anything for you. I think that's all the questions there. If you have any more questions, we just have a couple minutes left. But uh, also real quick, if you want to go up to our Threadless store, um, we've got all kinds of shirts there, um, new designs, all kinds of fun stuff there. So you can go up there. That's skywatcher.threadless.com. You get some cool swag for your Skywatcher uh, stuff or just get something cool. And then lastly, before we go, unless you guys have any questions, uh, only a couple, a, a few more, like a week or so left for the totem patches for august we've had some good submissions uh we'll start shipping these out to the people who've sent them in already um probably next week but uh we'll get those ready to go um but you can go on and it is the soap bubble nebula for august um i'm trying to figure out what next month's gonna be so stay tuned we will unveil that on the what's up for the month for september um that'll be coming up in about two weeks but yeah that's uh, pretty much it. I don't see any other questions floating around. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's Totem. Go out, do that, take some quick shots. Uh, oh, there's one question. If I use a cork with my Esprit, can the sun damage the scope in any way since the cork? No. Um, so a lot of people think that using like a Herschel wedge or a cork is going to damage your, your telescope. If you're using the cork correctly, probably with the UVIR, on the diagonal the scope there's nothing that's going to damage it um, because the sunlight that's hitting the lens the only time sunlight in a telescope is dangerous is when it's at the focus point and that's way down where the cork the daystar cork filter is designed to handle the heat load of that uh, focused light beam now any other point it's just like sunlight on your skin. You walk outside, you feel the sun on your skin. It's the same amount of energy hitting the telescope lens. Nothing's going to happen to it. Um, I use my Daystar Quantum regularly on the Esprit 150. Um, it's a freaking monster of a system. Uh, but your cork should be no different. So the cork is designed to handle the heat load as long as you're using it within the specs that Daystar has stated um which should be clearly documented in the manual which you should read um but yeah 
the cork on any of the Esprit should be just fine as long as you're using it within Daystar's recommended specs um, at that point. So you should be just fine. But there's no damage that would come to the lens itself because the lens, it's just getting the same amount of light as your skin when you're outside. So there's that. All right. I don't see any other questions. Uh, if you have anything else, you can always email us at info at skywatcherusa.com. Thanks for watching, everybody. I hope you have a great weekend. Join us next week to make sure that you're here for Richard Wright. Um, please be safe observing the sun. Um, if you don't know what you're doing, come out to the Soul event on October 22nd. Skywatcher will be there. We'll have some cool stuff. We're doing a giveaway. Um, and just come learn some stuff uh, to be safe with this. And if you don't know, go back and watch our videos um, about how to observe the sun safely um, that we did a couple of years ago. But awesome. Well, thanks very much, everybody. We will see you next Friday. Have a safe weekend and take care, everyone. Clear skies. Bye.